Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to Talking with People, a QF production. I'm your host, Adam Pallant. On today's episode, we continue our NFL team-by-team recap and previews with a deep dive into the Washington Commanders, formerly the Washington Redskins, formerly the Boston Braves. Now, the Commanders have, in my opinion, have had a lackluster offseason. They did get new ownership, but their defense took a hit with the loss of Cole Holcomb, yes, the Steelers, and have to decide on a starting quarterback among three, at best, average options. Maybe their best move was bringing in Eric Bieniemy, the, the team's OC, but that remains to be seen. All in all, I have average expectations for this team. So with that said, I am very excited about today's guest, who maybe can change my mind or even prove me wrong. I've known him for what seems like forever, uh, from New Jersey, and I've had the pleasure of watching him grow into the man, myth, and legend he is today. Like the great Boomer Siason, he is a University of Maryland product, but unlike Boomer, he did not ignore my invite to be on the show. Here he is, my friend, Larry Taxon. Larry, how you doing? I'm doing great, Adam. Good to hear from you. Same. Wait, same. Did, wait did I have an option to not be on the show? Oh, you, you, I didn't realize you did. that. It did. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was at, it was at the bottom of the email in very minor fine print. I'm sorry. You got to read it. Awesome. Now, any chance I have to talk about the commanders, take command, I am all for, and I am going to convince you today that we are going to be above ordinary. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right, fans. This this is quite um, a, uh, a look forward to episode because if he can convince me, then he can convince pretty much anybody. So, Lau, we are going to talk about the commanders today, and you feel good about that, obviously. So let's sit back. Keep the bourbon at the ready. Make sure you got your fake ID. Let's open our textbook to page 31 and talk about Commander's football. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, wait, wait. All right. right. You hear that? You hear that? That is a geek trivia alert, by the way. So I'm sorry. You need to answer this trivia question before we continue. This is a uh, Commander's slash Redskins slash Boston Braves trivia question. Larry, this player who wore number five, was drafted as a third overall pick by the Redskins in 1994. After his career as a bust on the football field, by the way, he then became a member of Congress, and he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. Who is he? Oh, you're killing me. I gave um, you the uh, that type of Congress, U.S. House of Representatives angle. Yeah. Um, if you want more hints, tell me one more hints. Give me one more hint. All right. Um, it's not a – wait, let me think. Wait, oh, is it – is it Heath Schuler? It is Heath Schuler. Wow, look at that. See, a true fan would only know that. Draft yeah, him. he um, – yeah, Schuler was – yeah, he was interesting, right? We had all these expectations, but that's been our life, our quarterbacks with expectations, and – they don't do anything, right? It's like our last best quarterback, to be honest, like consistent with Steisman, right? And then, you know, we had, you know, we had the one year 2012 with RG3, which was exciting. And then he hurt himself. And then obviously we had, you know, the Super Bowl years. Um, but even those quarterbacks, it was like one and done. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, interesting with sure. But, uh, yes, yeah. Thanks. University of Tennessee, um, bad player until um, he was, um, he led Washington, uh, him and seventh round pick Gus Farratt. So it was yeah. a back and forth. That's how bad he was. And they lasted three years with the team, traded to the Saints after 96. And in 1997, Farratt went to the Pro Bowl while Schuler never came close to being successful at all in the NFL. So at least you had Farratt for a year. Yeah, that's our last. We've had like 30 quarterbacks in 30 years. It's like utterly crazy. But, but that's what today's conversation is going to be about. Mr. Sam Howe, but we are, (laughs) I won't, I won't, we won't jump into that just yet. So I'll I'll let you lead the show here. I like your enthusiasm for Howell. I do. I do. It it, it reminds me of my enthusiasm when the Phillies got got Joe Cowley back in 87, but I'm remiss. I'll move on. Let's recap 2022. So, what we know, we know that is uh, Commanders lost all three preseason games, which really doesn't matter. But they went on to lose four of the first five before going on a nice run, and then ending the season one three and one over the last five to finish eight eight and one and miss the playoffs. 
in your opinion, what went wrong? Um, everything. And uh, it starts, I'll give you a couple, couple of areas where it starts. One is Carson Wentz. So I don't know. So Ron Rivera as a coach, I get it. Um, you know, good reputation, good time with the Carolina Panthers as a GM questioning some decisions. And so through his tenure here, we haven't been able to consistently um, have a good quarterback. It's always reaching, you know, whether it was for the veteran um, and going after them um, or so we had like, you know, two years ago, Fitzgerald and first game gets injured and never plays again. <laughs> and so then we had Alex Smith and he gets injured. And so now, you know, we, we go after Wentz, and, you know, so nobody wanted him. He was discarded. Um, Colts are getting rid of him mm -hmm. and we pick him up for some draft picks on a trade. And then he gets here and he's at best inconsistent, no accuracy, nothing can't take a, you know, can't make a decision, can't throw, have like one good game, gets injured. And then we put in, you know, the savior Heineke right. and uh, you know, Heineke comes in and does what he does, right. He a couple wins here and there, but overall, like he's not this like stellar giant, you know, quarterback, but what really did us in with the playoffs, is at the end of the year, you know, Heineke wasn't doing so great. And they put Wentz in, they put him back into the lineup and he had a stinker of a game. And that just lost everything right there for us. So, so when I say for the year, you know, first it was Heineke second, mm -hmm. um, you know, injuries. So Chase Young out, you know, we had a couple of injuries there. Brian Robinson, right. Star of the season, rookie running back gets shot in the leg multiple times due to a carjacking, right? So he doesn't, he misses the first four games of the season. Jahan Dotson, another rookie gets hurt. So we just had constant injuries. Um, but the other thing I would add to it is our offensive line. Our offensive line was horrendous, atrocious. Um, we were on third string, fourth string, deck, right? And and that we'll talk about our offensive line going into this year. And that's sort of one of my concern areas. But but overall, all that together was bad. And then the last thing I would say is just play calling. You know, Scott Turner's offense, um, you know, it just, I don't know, it was stagnant. Like it was very predictable. You knew what was coming. No adjustments were made. No ingenuity. Like there was all this talk about, oh, he's going to have all this movement, this or that. But it was always the same. Right. So I think the combination of all those led to our demise. And especially now with the 17 game season to go eight, eight and one, right, is is horrible. So we were almost there. But, you know, at the end of the day, even if we got into the playoffs, right, you know, the Giants, you know, were ahead of us. And, you know, Giants actually did well their first game. But, you know, how much were we going to go? So right. it was what it was. The funny part about finishing eight and one uh, the commanders became the first team ever to get a 500 record in the 17 game season because you need yeah. a tie. So there you go. So you can hang that flag um, above the stadium. And what was amazing, even though they were bad and we'll get, we'll get into what went right. You know, they, the big, they had a huge win against Philadelphia, you know, week 10 yep. where they beat the, uh, the Eagles. And uh, we have a good, I was going to say, we have, you know, for some reason, when there's a, this marquee thing, you know, last year it was beating the Eagles. And I think it was the year before, I don't want to bring this up, it was the Steelers, you know, mm -hmm. where the Steelers, I think, were undefeated. And um, and the commanders are at that time, the Washington football team, as they will always be known to me, um, you know, went in and, and beat Pittsburgh, who was on a really big um, win streak. So, yeah, we had we had these flashes you know, and, but it's just consistency. And that's been our, our problem. So, so you brought the Steelers. So we're going to end the show now. No, no. I'm <laughs> all right, so, sorry. So there you go. So they had some highlights, you know, they, they, they were, there were only two of the teams they played scored more than 25 points, uh, the Lions and Niners all year. So what went right? I mean, what, what positive things are you uh, bringing into this new season? Yeah. Defense, defense. Yeah. So our defense, top three in the league, um, I think two out of the last three years. Um, our defensive line just built with first-round draft picks. Um, mm -hmm. 
Deron Payne had an amazing season and he got paid for that. Um, Jonathan Allen, you know, mm -hmm. being that captain of that D line, um, really strong and moving. Um, so we got a lot of good play, even from even with Chase Young going out and being down, you know, some of our other guys like Effiabata stepped up and um was it uh James Smith Williams stepped up and did a really good job. Um our secondary actually, which has always been a challenge with us, actually, we we are seeing some really great things coming out of our secondary. Um Cam Curl um is stepping into being that leader as safety, Derek Forrest. Um we got some really good young talent on our on our secondary. So I think the defense is what carried us, um, you know, most of the year and the things we're doing. Um, the other thing that I would add to it as well is our um, it, it, it's just one name, Terry McLaurin. Right. Mm -hmm. So he is our star wide receiver. I feel bad for the guy, you know, playing with all these different quarterbacks every year, but he just produces like he is a top 10 wide receiver in the entire national football league. Um, so, you know, he did a really great job. Um, and he, like I said, Jahan Dotson coming in from Penn State, you know, didn't know what to expect from him, but he did an amazing job coming in. Uh, if he didn't get injured, he'd have a lot more, you know, touchdowns. Um, so our wide receiver crew is great. Curtis Samuel, Iowa State guy, um, you know, also had a good year coming off of injury. So, so those were the things to be excited about. Um, those are the things I think of what kept us in the game. Um, but I'm excited going into this season. Yeah, I mean, to, to have a team that had five uh, Pro Bowl players, you know, you, 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 the Commanders do have talent. There's no argument to that. Uh, it's just whether or not they can put it together over the 17-week um, span, 17-game uh, season. And uh, what, what's, what's funny is it almost is almost bad luck for the Commanders. They were the first team since 2008 to finish last in their division with a non-losing record, which kind of points to how strong their division actually is. Well... I'd say that was the biggest surprise last year was the NFC East who mm -hmm. thought, you know, that they would actually be that good. Well, the Eagles were 14 and three, the Cowboys mm -hmm. were 12 and five and the Giants nine and seven. Like who would ever thought Daniel Jones would get to the playoffs? He only did well against the commanders, like his career against commanders. Like he would be in the hall of fame if he only played the commanders his whole right. entire career. But he, you know, changing coaching, changing mentality, you know, I guess fixes things. Um, so, yeah, the NFC East was was really good. Um, yeah, strong. So, yeah. So, unfortunately, you know, <laughs> we we had to play in the East. So, yeah, we we landed in the basement. So you had you had to, you had to be positioned somewhere. So with a short a short straw with the commander. So so you feel pretty comfortable about the defense. You, you, you like uh you like parts of the offense and obviously the offensive line, you mentioned the question. So what did the commanders do? Let's look at the draft picks in, uh, in this year, starting with your, you know, the number one, Emmanuel Forbes, the cornerback. I'm going to actually take it a step higher for you and right. talk about the off season and why we feel like we're moving in the right direction. Okay. So you were and impressed it's... by my average uh, my, 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 my average uh, offseason comment. All right, bring it on. Yeah, so I'm not even going to start with a player of why I think we're better. I'm going to start with ownership change. Mm -hmm. Dan Snyder is gone. Right. Hallelujah. And it that wave on us the last 20 years, like his meddling, his non-ability, creating a toxic culture everywhere in the organization, um, his fakeness of apologizing doing this like you saw it with like you know all the sponsors leaving all the indictments like this and that and just to get that away mm -hmm. you know from this team and get in competent business people so the josh harris group right who you know owns the sixers and owns the devils who are two teams that you know are consistently now in the playoffs they run proper organizations like to actually have that here um, Michael Ine, who is a uh, you know uh, you know Washington based you know entrepreneur, good guy here. But Magic Johnson, we have Magic, right? <laughs> you know, so Magic's here, and seeing him, you know, come here. Really, I'm gonna give you a little bit of trivia right back at you. All right. So Magic Johnson's connection with Washington and the football team is really amazing. So when he was drafted by the Lakers. 
the owner of the Lakers at that time was Jack Kent Cook. And it was, and so when Dr. Jerry Buss was looking to come in and buy the Lakers, this was Magic's, you know, rookie year. And Magic worked with Kent Cook to actually sell the team to Dr. Jerry Buss. And then Jack Kent Cook then turned around and he bought the Redskins. And go. so Magic was like, hey, I've been truly connected with the DMV, right, and everything that's going on there. So to see Magic, and he's interacting with Terry McLaurin, they're bonding, like just to have grownups in charge now <laughs> is going to change everything within this organization, we hope, right? You know, the stadium, hopefully we get a new stadium deal, um, you know, new practice facilities, everything there. So that was number one. Right. Number two, I'm, I'm going to let it, I'm like I'm like I'm going to let you go one at a time. But I just want I do want to point out, and not to burst that bubble, but the uh, you know the the buddy buddy celebrity concept didn't work in Florida Marlins with Derek Jeter, and if you're speaking about an ownership change, uh, I mean of course I do agree when when uh, Cohen came in for the Mets. I mean they now are prime winners. They are one of the best teams of eight. Wait, wait, wait. My note notes are wrong. I'm sorry. They're not. They're not one of the best teams of baseball. You're reading your notes from six months ago. Yes, um, yes. No, I'm, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Money doesn't solve everything, right? But you need smart business people. But to me, it wasn't about – it's not about the money. It's the culture. So the one thing I'll tell you is the Mets' culture is a lot better even though they're losing, right? You know, I think they're setting themselves up for hopefully future success. Right. But to be honest, you and I could have bought the commanders and they would be in a much better place than where they were with Dan Snyder. He was such an albatross on this team and everybody was embarrassed. Like I was embarrassed to wear a commander shirt. Right. Um, and now you have people, you know, just going around everywhere and they're wearing it. They're in Vegas wearing it. And people are proud now to be part of this team. There's so much history with this team. We hope that that makes the change. So we'll see what the celebrity owner thing. All right. Gotcha. That's number one. Number two, EB, Eric B enemy. Um, so we, jettison scott turner and and that was great and you know to bring eb in like it was it was rumored like a lot that we were going after him and he was looking to get out of kansas city because you know he's put in for a lot of head coaching jobs but he um you know wasn't giving that opportunity and i think in talking with ron rivera and seeing how things were going he had decided that he was going to get an even shake here right he was going to come in he will take full control of the offense. He's actually like in like a, almost like coach number two, right? Um, Ron Rivera lets him do his thing and to come in and everything we've heard from the first day of practice to training camp here is like it is completely different. They are moving at a speed in practice that they've never done before. But he is a fiery personality, and that's some of the stuff that's been coming out of the last few weeks. Like a lot of players were scared and saying, you know, like, how do I work with somebody that yells at me all the time? But when you hear from other players, when you hear from, you know, previous players that played for him, they're all like, no, like he, he's the man, right? You're going you're gonna to get that abuse, but at the end of the day, he's got your back. He's your number one fan. He's going to get things going. So I'm excited to see what he brings to this offense, his creativity, ingenuity, um, his passion, his accountability to his players. Like there's no favorites, you know, like if you are a number one, you know, and you mess up, you're going to get kicked out. Right. And so he's bringing this accountability and that's changing a lot of the culture of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So right there, you know, my top two, those are my top two changes of the year. Cause we'll get into the players here in a sec, but to, with those two things, it's just culture and culture in my mind translates to hopefully success. Cause now you're recruiting better players because they want to come here and play for EB. They want to play for a proper, you know, run organization. And so hopefully we become a recruiting destination. Um, but then hopefully the skill, the ingenuity experience that EB brings is really going to get the best out of our players. So that to me is one, two, before we get into the actual players. Oh, all right. Fair enough. I, I, I appreciate your enthusiasm for the behind the scenes and on the sidelines. Um, so now we got to focus on the actual guys on the field and the ones who are either going to take uh, the credit or gonna are gonna be the ones pointed to for the failure. So, how do you think they did with the draft picks? 
Um, I would say that it was, I don't know, a B minus, I would say. Um, so here's the deal. You know, you never know how the draft is going to lay out, how, what you're going to get. And what we pick, I think we pick 16. Yep. And the challenge you run into is that if you were to ask me what our number one need should have been going into the draft, it was offensive line. And if you asked me what the number two need should have been in a draft, I would have told you offensive line. If you asked me number three, it would have been offensive line, right? Because <laughs> it was so awful last year. It was right. so porous, right? Um, but let's go through. So first round pick was Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback out of Mississippi State. He has the all-time record for pick sixes in college football. Right. This guy is a ball hog. He goes after everything, played in the SEC, first team. Like he's a stud. Right. And and so everything that I've heard coming out of camp. So they just completed um, joint practice sessions with the Ravens mm -hmm. and they actually play the Ravens Monday night. Um, Forbes is locking down on everybody like Odell Beckham, you know, like all the different receivers. He's going against Terry McLaurin every day in practice. Right. And he's holding his own. So I'm really thinking big things for Forbes. Um, at the time he was picked, we didn't know. And it puts he's a skinny guy. Um, and so you're like, how is he going to do? But to be honest, like Daryl Green was skinny and he had a pretty good career. Yeah. Um, so really looking forward to seeing what, um, what Forbes can do. Um, and, and we'll go from there. So that was number one. Well, he was, he was the, one of the most talented DBs in the draft. And he is yeah. very fast. They said, and he can't teach speed. So, I, I yeah. thought it was not a bad pick. It was it was an interesting unknown pick as far as you know for the number sixteen. It wasn't the uh, the the fireworks kind of pick, but I thought a quality. Well, pick. Yeah. So so if they go CB, there were a couple of CBs at available at that point. Was it Christian Gomez or something or Gonzalez, who I think the Patriots picked right after, um, was a touted better cornerback for as cover cornerback. But what our defense lacked last year were takeaways. You know, we were not high in regards to takeaways. So I think that was a little push in this draft mm -hmm. is to get defensive talent that can force and drive takeaways. Yeah. And so that's why he was picked. All right. So then you got number two of the 47th pick overall. So you got two of the top 50, uh, Jartavius Martin, DB out of Illinois. I mean, the this guy was a third team, all Big Ten, played all played 50 college games in five years. I mean, that's a lot of experience. So not a bad pick. Yeah, so Quan Martin. So, but here's here's the surprise. Wait, we drafted another quarterback. What <laughs> into? Where's my offensive lineman? Like, what are we doing here? You're like, why are we doing this? Now coming out of Illinois, right? You know, like you said, we love experience. Like we like top-notch, like high character guys. Um, and this guy was super smart. Everything you read about him, like his football IQ is off the charts. Um, really, you know, strong um, defender. But did we really need this at this pick unless something else was happening? So to me, that was questionable. Um, Diggs, I've heard he can't, that he, um, you know, he's doing okay. He's not doing stellar, um, which I would want my second round pick to be doing. So so for this pick, I think we are at a wait and see phase um, with it, but not sure of where this will where this will eventually end up. I was trying to to, to paint you a little bit of a, a positive. I I do agree um, that it was a little, little a stretch, and I was trying to be friendly and nice. So I'll um I'll move I'll move on to number three, and uh, you get Ricky Stromberg, a center. There's your OT guy, offensive line guy, and out of Arkansas. SEC's top offensive lineman, by the way. So if you were looking for your offense, uh, offensive line, there you go. There's your center. Yeah, it. Um, this is another one where, you know, good guy needs a little bit of work. Um, but I think, you know, so one of the things we did um, in free agency is we picked up Nick Gates from the Giants. So he was really stalwart offensive lineman. Had a couple of um, knee issues and problems, had a bunch of surgeries, but had a really good year last year. So we picked him up to be our center, um, you know, for this year. So, so Stromberg, like he'll, he'll get some reps, but you know, I don't, once again, I, I see him as a project and somebody that's not contributing um, right away. 
I think the other cool thing that, that's what's giving me positive hope is we're building depth mm-hmm. right now. Like we don't have a lot of gaping holes, like on the defense and on offense, obviously like some areas, the offensive line, but you know, we can talk about offensive line a little bit. Um, but to me, once again, I think another little, little project um, that goes through. Well, so you're not too high in this draft so far. We're, we're through the big three and then you go to, you fall to 118th pick. Uh, you get your tackle out of Utah, who is, um, I mean, he's a big guy, he's 6'4", almost 300 pounds. Um, what do you think of him? Yeah, so with him right now, was that Braden Daniels? Yeah, so so Braden right now, he is basically just like Stromberg. Like if you were to look at the depth chart at tackle, um, he's sitting around third on the depth chart, um, you know, behind Leno, behind Lucas. Um, so once again, you know, he's, I, knowing the history of our offensive line, people are going to get hurt. He'll be given the opportunity um, to succeed. Um, but overall, you know, I think once again, you know, depth, like building it in there, you know, will he get a lot of reps? Not sure. Will he make it to the practice squad? Not sure. Um, we'll see where that one goes to. All right. All right. So, so that's your, that's your four. Nobody, uh, nobody's shining light so far. Uh, number five, KJ Henry, uh, edge out of Clemson, another big fast pass rusher. Yeah. So I think, um, Henry, I think we'll make this squad, you know, coming out of camp. Um, he is, has been looking good. Um, he, uh, you know, so if you look at our line, I talked about the first round draft picks and everything, um, but we have a huge decision to make this year. You know, do we resign both, um, Chase and, and Montez Sweat and, Mm -hmm. you know, both edge. So are we going to continue to grow, you know, our edges? Do we let one of them walk? Do we keep both of them? Um, so yeah. So having, KJ being drafted is a good thing. Um, coming out of Clemson, you know, Clemson had great D. Um, so we'll see. We'll see with this one. But I think I think he will get reps this year. I think he will play in situational um, type of things. Um, but so I like this one. This was a good oh, pick. There you go. So your fifth fifth pick uh, was somebody you liked, and then the sixth pick, the 193rd overall, Chris Rodriguez Jr. Running back out of Kentucky. The feedback is he's basically a battering ram kind of runner. So we're adding another love, the, uh, the role of the, the revolving door of running backs. Yeah. Love, love, love this pick. Um, you know, and he hit a great preseason game uh, a week ago uh, against the Browns. Like, yeah, like you said, veteran Ram. Um, I think, you know, we're obviously going in with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson right up front. Um, those will be our, you know, our one, two guys. Um, but then when you look at, um, you know, the next level down, you know, I think you'll put a Chris Rodriguez in there as the number three and maybe a Jonathan Williams as the number four. And then we have a couple other guys behind them. So I think this is great. Um, I think he's going to play a lot this year. Um, I think this was a good pickup for them. You know, as we the running backs, you know, are used um, heavily coming out of the backfield by an EB or being in the offense, like being able to catch and do things. But Rodriguez can be that battering ram going through. So yeah, right. like this pick. I like that. So the first four were blah, five and six is where the interest uh, lies. And then they rounded out um, round seven, Andre Jones, a defensive end and a Louisiana Lafayette. Again, another big pass rusher. Yeah. So this one, right. Seventh round pick. You don't know what you'll get out of it. Although we've had a lot of success with seventh round picks. Um, he played, so yesterday, this week, I said they were having a practice, joint practices with the Ravens. And because Chase got hurt in the Browns game, just his finger, you know, I think if it was the season, he'd be playing. But so Jones actually played um, with the first team, um, you know, the second day of practice. And he balled out. He was containing um, Jackson, Lamar Jackson, you know, in different sets. And he showed his speed. And Ron Rivera came out and said, wow, we, you know, we really got to keep an eye on this kid. You know, he was really playing well. So I think Jones makes the team as a seventh round pick. Yeah. Um, so, so for the draft, like I said, the last six, seven, um, five, six, seven, and number one, right. I was very happy with those picks. We'll see about the other three as depth picks mm-hmm. and we'll see how those go. But overall, that's why I said to me, it was like a B, B minus. Um, I would have liked a higher offensive lineman, but um but we'll see with you, you know, as far as that. But we can talk about free agency and we can talk about the rest of the team um, next if you want. Absolutely. Well, that's where we're moving in. So we've got um, the, the, we've got the front office, 
We've got the uh, the sidelines, and we've got the new guys coming in. So the questions kind of looking at 2023 is, you know, um, and we, we'll talk about the but can the commander stop the run? That seems to still be the issue. You can you can get it to quarterback, and but you lost uh, Holcomb again, Steelers, and they and they have some good pass rushers, really good ones, but not run stoppers. So what um what free agents and what what can you what do you, what do you see the changes that made uh, that's going to improve upon that? Yeah, so. I would say, you know, top three defense. I think they were great. Um, we have a really weird defense because we only play, rather than doing your traditional three linebacker set, um, you know, we're, we're not doing that, right? We're loading up more in our, our secondary and doing like a five, two, four front type of thing. So we got rid of Holcomb. You know, he's lost, but replaced him with Cody Barton. I think mm-hmm. that's a, you know, that's a, I don't know, you call that a tie or a break even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cody yeah, Barton's pretty great. Rusher. Yeah, yeah, he's he's fat. You know, he can do things. You know, you're going to pair him with Jamin Davis. That's going to be our one-two going in. Uh, Kalik Hudson is another mm-hmm. backup, you know, who really shined, you know, towards the end of last year. But the one person who we didn't have last year because he got injured um, and w- is coming back this year, although, of course, he got hurt a little bit in the preseason game, is Fedarian Mathis. So this guy is a monster. Um, they drafted him last year, um, to fill that hole in the middle, you know, almost like a nose tackle, but not really. Um, but he's sort of playing that middle, middle spot, right? So he's behind, you know, Allen and Deron Payne, but you know, when they, if they decide to stack up, you know, he will go in there. So to me, I think they'll do a a better job of doing a run. Although in the Browns game, it was interesting. They were running a lot of Deshaun Watson runs and they were hard Mm -hmm. to contain him. I think the line, the edges were overcommitting. Right. Um, so they're leaving gaps that the linebackers have to fill and the linebackers weren't filling them. So mm-hmm. I think it's a work in progress. But what we've seen at the Ravens camp this week, you know, is they were doing it's an awesome clip they posted yesterday of, of uh, Jonathan Allen just blowing through the line and tackling the running back in the backfield with Deron Payne coming in. So, so I'm excited about that. Um, but I think they'll do a better job in the run this year, especially – um, their secondary is just full of just young young ballers out there, and I think they're going to come up and they hit like Derek Forrest hits people right. This is you know coming back and you know, like really putting the pain and the hurt and the fear into players that they're running right. That's what I want to see out of out of my safeties. So there you go. I, I like that. So 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 you feel comfortable with the um, the defense? You like the improvements on the uh, offensive line a uh, little? Um, uh, I know a little, a little. Yeah. They they made some little adjustments. Uh, I know you still it's still the one worry one two and three. So I think taking all that into consideration, let's let's look at the games because now we got the players. We talked about the coaching. We talked about the ownership, um, and the draft. But you know, I'm not alone in my uh, my my concerns over this team. The uh, sharp football analysts. Analysis, uh, the commanders have the sixth hardest schedule in the NFL for the 23-24 season. Um, the, the players they are facing, the teams, uh, are were combined 118 and 118 and 1. They'll face four teams, Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, and Bills, that won at least 12 games last year. So knowing that, and before we start predicting, by the way, the last time Washington won more than eight games was 2015. So with that said... Let's let's start this breakdown. Are you ready? Yeah, way to way to shove the knife in there. All right, I just I, I want to set up. I want to set up everybody with an understanding that you know. Uh, I, I feel you'll be honest, and I don't feel you'll be stretching, giving them giving them win after win. No, nope. but no, nope. it, it's a hard schedule. I mean, we're just going to call it. It, it is a it is a hard schedule. But you know, the one thing you know before we jump in, you know, game by game here, you know, the one thing we haven't talked about really is Sam Howell. So. The question is, you're going into the season and you have unproven quarterback, right? Like the whole the whole season is going to rest on quarterback play, right? Mm-hmm. So we, you know, obviously kicked Wentz to the curb and he still can't find a job. So that's saying something. And we let Heineke go because, you know, he he is Heineke. Trust me, I love Heineke, right? Heineke, right? He did a fantastic job for what we thought he could do. Right. But in order for us to go to the next level, we needed a change. So we drafted Sam Howell. Um last year you know fifth round draft pick you know this guy was projected to be a first round draft pick and then he stayed his senior year at north carolina he lost all his offensive weapons his offensive line sucked 
And so he had a run to save his life and he still had a good season. Like he's very athletic. So he comes in, plays that last game against Dallas, I think made 19 completions, um, you know, had some, a nice bomb to Terry, you know, and they were like, well, we, we might have something here. So he has gone into camp, the off season in camp, you know, I think proving doubters, right. You know, you're seeing the clips, like just watching him in the first prison game, he is decisive. He throws with heat on that ball. Like he can spin it. Um, he is accurate, right? I want quarterbacks that are 65, 68% accuracy and completion. Um, and he's building bonds with Terry, Jahan, Curtis, our tight ends, right? He's doing some good stuff. He's got good motor, good legs, you know, can get out there on the run. So, and then we have Jacoby Brissett, right? As a backup, he's no slouch, right? He's not going to. Like he's, he's not going to be like this, like stellar quarterback. He's going to dump a lot of stuff, but he's smart, right? He's going to throw a ball away. Um, but Sam, he's an experienced quarterback, right? But, but how there's something there, dude, you know, like everything I'm seeing at practice and everything I've read, you know, over the last, you know, few days up at Ravens camp, right. The, the, the commander's offense outplayed the Ravens defense. And a lot of that was Sam Howell. And when you see that ball coming out of his hand as quick as it does and as fast as it does, and he's smart, like he made decisions in that game, in that Browns game. And I know it's a preseason and I know they didn't have like Miles Garrett or other stuff, but he, like the decisions he made, he had three incompletions that whole game. One was a drop ball that went right into the tight end's hands and he just completely dropped it. And two were throwaways, which were smart plays where I think in the past, Wentz would have tried to throw those and would have got, you know, interceptions. So when I look at this schedule, though, I'm a realist. Do you know what Ashburn syndrome is? Ashburn syndrome. Uh, I do not. So the Redskins training facility is in Ashburn. And Ashburn syndrome is a term that another wonderful Beltway football podcast made up. And it's called Ashburn syndrome. It's when a, at the time, it was a Redskins or Washington football team and now Commanders fan think so highly of their team and their players that we think we're going to win everything. And we convince ourselves of this deep down. And then when that first game happens and we lose by 20, it all comes crashing back to reality. That is Ashburn syndrome. And I definitely have it. I have it every year, (laughs) but I'm going to try to look at this schedule in an honest way in an honest view. And we'll see what happens. But like you're, like you said, you know, there are, there's some tough games on here, um, but we'll see how it goes. So you want to you want to go through it? I do. Astrum syndrome sounds a lot like uh, um, a Yankee pinstripes where every Yankee fan thinks that every player puts on the, uh, the pinstripes is the greatest player in the world. And that every team, even if they're struggling or benched or sent down, that they should every team will trade their best player for them. And going into spring training, look at these great players because they're all wearing pinstripes. They're great. And of course, the Yankees are game under 500. So yeah, it's very similar, but I get it. I, yeah. I hear, I think that's an interesting. A lot of, a, a lot of fan bases do that, but yes. we, we just do it because like you said, we haven't won more in eight games since 2015, right? We've won one, like we haven't won a playoff game in forever. So just, there's always hope. Yeah. Just now you, you mentioned a, uh, another podcast that's strike two and we will end it. We will end the podcast early. So just know that. All right. So uh, we have, okay. So the, the, the commanders started out, you know, they got the win. You know, it was still a quality win, whether or not it was just backups or not. You're right. Howell had a good game. They put up 17 points. The defense still held uh, Browns to 15 points. Rodriguez had, uh, you know, the most rushes. You know, it's not bad for uh, preseason. Yes, so, first game, yeah. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. And then, all right, so we're going we're gonna to move past preseason. As everyone knows, it, it yeah. doesn't matter except for the fact that the Browns, um, that the commanders lost all three games last year. With that said, uh, regular season kicking off Sunday, September 10th at home versus the Cardinals. Yeah, this can be huge, right? First game, first game of season, first game at home under new ownership. It is going to be stacked and packed there, hopefully with Commanders fans. The Cardinals are going to be horrendous this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like Kyler Murray's, you know, not even quarterbacking. Um, this will win. Like this has to be a win right? Uh, Cardinals have nothing. You're coming there. Like they need to win this game and really prove the season is not going to be a champ. So give this a win. 
I, I agree. I also think they're going to win. I don't think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be any better than the St. Louis Cardinals. So, yes. So, it's 1-0. and <laughs> Outstanding 1-0. and And then the, uh, seven days later, they are off to Colorado to face Denver. What do you think? Yeah. This is hard. This will pick them to me. So, um, Broncos suck last year. Um, I don't know what happened with Russell Wilson. He regressed, like, tremendously. They bring in Sean Payton you know, to try to fix things now. So are they fixed by the second game of the season with our defense and everything? Um, I, there's a couple of pick this year, right, where they could go either way. I'm going to be positive on this one and say they win. All right. Well, I'm happy to announce I agree with you. I don't think the uh, Broncos are going to be anything this year, and I definitely don't think they're going to be able to put it together by the second game against defense like commander. So I also give them the win and that's two and oh, both of us. Look at that. They are Woo! undefeated so far. 17 and oh on the way, right? Uh, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so now we go to week three. They're coming home, but they're facing the bills. Two and one. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. The bills are just juggernauts. Um, Josh Allen's awesome. They have a great team. Diggs, go Terps. Um, you know, they, they just have a really strong team. I, I think it'll be competitive. I think our defense will show up for this, but they're just they're just on another level, the Bills, and I hope maybe one day we get there. But, yeah, this is a loss. I, I still remember when uh, the Steelers beat Buffalo opening um, the first game yeah. last year when Buffalo was supposed to have this amazing team. So it could go either way, but I did give the, uh, the loss to the commanders as well. I just think Buffalo is strong, even though they're having their problems. I mean, with uh, – uh, a lot of a lot of personal issues between the quarterback and his receiving yep. core. So, but I, I am giving a loss. So two and one. All right, sorry, no undefeated team season, but come on, um, they they beat them last year, so they're off to Philly again. Can they beat them two years in a row? <sighs> no. Oh. Um, like I don't know. Like I feel like there should be like I don't know congressional oversight over the Eagles and their drafting and free agency this year. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. Like their defense, they basically have Georgia's defense. You know, <laughs> over the last few years, right. they drafted the whole team. You know, I think the Eagles. Yeah, I think they're the cream of the crop this year. Um, you know, really strong. Obviously, went to Super Bowl last year, but improved even more. You know, this year. So. Um, I'm hoping it is competitive and it's not a blowout. It's not like the Michael Vick years um, where they destroyed us. But um, I think they take the L in this one. So what does that leave us? Two and two? Two and two. And I agree with you. Um, I think after two strong wins, there are, there are going to be two bad losses. Um, I still think the defense will keep them in it. But I think the Philadelphia is full of weapons. And um, unfortunately, um, they, they're going to be another good team this year. So they lose to Philadelphia. They're, they're licking their wounds. They come home, which I like how they're going back and forth. Uh, versus the Bears. Yeah, this is another one of those pick'em games. I think we beat the Bears. Um, I think Justin Fields, you know, is, is coming on. He got a lot better, I think, towards the second half of the year. Um, I think the Bears will be a good team. But I, like I said, this is one of those other pick'em things. But because we're playing at home, I'm going to go with uh, the Commanders on this one. I went with them as well. That's correct. I, I also have them now going three and two. I, um, I just don't think the Bears are strong. I think they're still questionable in many sides of the ball. Uh, both offense, defense, special teams, and I, I don't think the coaching is there. So three and two um, as well. So now they move on the road against the Falcons. Yeah. Um, so Falcons stunk last year, you know, start with, what was it, Mariota, um, mm -hmm. and then went to Ritter, you know, the draft pick. Um, it's funny is, I, I guess, let's see, we'll be week five maybe here. Um, the question will be, will Heineke, their starting quarterback That's at this right. time or not because he went to the falcons mm -hmm. um you know falcons should have a good team if ritter plays well they have good offensive weapons or defense is pretty stout um but i'm gonna go out on a whim i'm gonna say commanders in this one i don't think it was a stretch i i agree with you yeah. as well i think the um i just don't think much of the uh, atlanta they may be they may have the weapons and young but i just think they're still lacking many areas and I I never like to underestimate. Um, as I've said, yeah, I think the commander's defense strong, and uh, yeah. again, holding uh, only two teams really scored against them last year, and the Falcons don't have it. So you're looking at four and two. I'm looking at four and two. So now we're we're in agreement so far. So how about they stay on the road and they go to New York? 
Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, for this one here, it's always hard to say it, but I, I have to go Giants in this one. I, you know, I'm hoping last year was a fluke and the Giants completely stink this year, but um, we've had challenges going up to the Meadowlands and playing and um, at this point of the season and just because of the way the schedule lays out, I'll give this one to the Giants. I agree with you. Uh, agree with that one too. Um, I think Giants, I don't think they'll be strong, but I think they'll be strong enough. And there's something special about that giant uh, commanders um, rivalry that um, Giants come on top because it's at home yeah. at the MetLife Stadium. So we now, uh, they the commanders come home, but they got to face the Eagles again. I know. Uh, this one's tough for me. It's like, am I a homer? Did I go commanders on this? Or did the Eagles just go to and now? So I, I'm going to go against my homerness here, and I'm going to pick the Eagles in this one. There you go. Well, so far, Larry, you and I are, are are on the same page. I just, again, it's nice to be home, but it's it's not nice to be the commanders when facing the Eagles. So four and four across the board now, and then they head out on the road again uh, to face the Patriots. Yeah, you know, it's always hard to go to Foxborough and play. And um, but is Mac Jones really the real deal up there? Um, I think I think we surprise people and win this one. Okay. All right, interesting. I uh I disagree. I uh, uh I think disagreement. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think Mac Jones is it, but I I think um Belichick will have them ready. Um they, it's it's gonna be interesting. They'll they'll just find a way to win, um, or or a commander will find a way to lose. And uh, they'll they'll fall to four and five. You have them at five and four, so a little difference. So after winning in New England, as you have them, uh, they head to Seattle. Yeah. So this is why I made that choice. I think I think going from you're 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 going out there playing an away game, and I got fly across and play the Seahawks. Seahawks had a surprising year last year, um, and it's always hard to win up there. So I'm gonna. And it's hard with this one because the last two playoff, I think the two last playoff um, games we've been in is against the Seahawks. Um, and so they, they were a little bit of a rivalry back then in the RG3 days. Um, so, but I'm going to go Seahawks on this one. Okay. I did as well. Um, I think the offensive weapons for Seattle are strong, even though I'm not a big Geno Smith fan. Uh, I, I want to, I expect to see some kind of fallback, but it, it's just going to be really tough for, especially for the young secondary um, to really cover them. So um, I, yeah. I think I, I give it to the Seattle as well. So I'm on, I'm at four and six, you're at five and five. And now they go back to Washington to face the Giants again. Yeah, we're going to win this one. Um, I think, like I said, I think home field advantage just gives, gives us the edge there. We played them once before. Um, I think we'll make any adjustments that need to be happen that need to happen. So we'll win this one. I agree. It's hard to sweep. So I also gave it to the, the commanders. I am at five and six. Through week eleven, you have at six and five. All right, no, not a homer yeah. team, right? So um, then, uh, four days later, um, at Dallas, Thanksgiving. That's right. Last, I think the last time we played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, we spanked them. And so, um, uh, Cowboys once again, you know, are they going to have a good team? And I, I, I don't know. Um, so I'm going to go on a limb here and pick the Commanders just because I don't want to be rooting against them on Thanksgiving, and I want <laughs> I want this to be I want this to be true. Um, right. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take the Commanders in this one. I I I like your enthusiasm. I do. I really do. I I do not think I think for after if they're a tough uh, two road games and then home against the Giants, they're going to beaten up, and then um, four days later to have to face Dallas. Um, even without uh, Elliot, I think that team is strong enough to take down the Commanders. Again, it's not going to be a high-scoring game. Probably yeah. more there'll be more wings on a turkey than it will be touchdowns. But um, it, it, I think the uh, Dallas will come out and uh, Commanders fall to five and seven. You got them at seven five. We go to week thirteen, and they go back home to Washington against Dolphins. Yeah. So what do we think of the Dolphins? Is is two uh is two of the real deal now? I'm a big fan of the Tagliova family because uh, to his younger son, Leah, is the quarterback for the Terps coming back for uh, his uh, third year. He's the all-time record holder for a lot of uh, passing stuff at Maryland. But um, Really, more so than Boomer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be Boomer. Um, I'm uh, going to go Dolphins on this one. I think they have a lot of strong players that have joined their team through – 
free agency. So I think on this one, I think it's going to be close, but I think because they haven't had a buy yet, um, I think they come out flat in this one, especially after the Thanksgiving game. So we'll take the L. I'm going to disagree. I, I don't, I'm not, oh, I, don't okay. I hold Miami in the same place where I hold the Raiders. I think they're overrated. I, I'm not a big Tua fan, and I just don't – I think they love depressing the Florida fans, I, and I love yeah. it. So um, I think uh, – Yeah, I hope it's Miami. true. Yeah, they're going to be Miami. And I have them going six and seven. You got to go seven, six after bye. Week 14 bye. What do you think of these late bye weeks? Uh, the Steelers are week six this year, which I was like, I don't want it too early, but is week 14 too late? So it depends. Um, I like a mid year bye, um, especially if you've got injuries. Now we're playing, you know, like how many is that? 13 games already. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have so many injuries. Now, if we have a record and we're close to playoff hunt, then this is a good time for it. But if we've shot ourselves in the foot because of injuries and we're sort of limping through these last few games right. before the bye, then that's bad. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So so we're going out. We're playing the Rams after a bye. Um, it really comes down to what's going to happen with Stafford this mm-hmm. year. Um, Rams completely regressed last year. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to them. I don't know if you've been following the Rams in Tampa, but Stetson from Georgia – who, you know, a lot of people like just think he's just going to be back with his whole career. He's, he's having a great camp with the Rams. Like, I wonder if like he ever jumps in, you know, away from um, Stafford, but um, Rams D obviously very good. Um, RD very good. So it'll come down to the offenses. Um, The way I'm looking at this is we play the Rams this week, but then the Jets the following week with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to say win. For the uh, commanders. So you're going to win in Los Angeles. Because you got the bye week and then a West Coast trip. So um, yeah. I am losing only because it's, yeah. you know, again, you got a late, late, late bye week and Los Angeles, the, they're either going to have it together, the Rams, or they're not. Yeah. We have two weeks to prepare. That's the way I look at it. So I feel like we can go in and compete with them. Right. Um, we've competed with them before. Um, but now let's get to the Jets. Now they're coming, yeah, coming all the way back West Coast one week later. With uh, Aaron Rodgers, assuming he's still healthy. Again, it's all assuming everyone's healthy. Uh, Jets, 1 o'clock game on Sunday, the day before Christmas. Yeah, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. This is a hard one, right? So before, you know, I, I know the, the dirty little secret here, Adam, that you know very well, I grew up in New York. So mm-hmm. I grew up as a Jets fan, um, you know, Shea Stadium and that whole deal. Um, but then when I moved down here um, to the DMV back in 1990, and I've been down here most of my life now, you know, mm-hmm. you know, basically became a you know Redskins fan because mm-hmm. the Jets were really crappy, <laughs> and uh, and I stayed that way. Um, but this was you know the two teams. It was easy because Jets were AFC, you know, Redskins were NFC. Um, but I don't know, right? Like Dalvin Cook just signed. You got Aaron Rodgers, you got Garrett Wilson, you've got some really strong things. So are they, is this the team of destiny for the Jets this year? Um, if this was at home in Washington, because we've beaten Aaron Rodgers. Um, if this was at home in Washington, I'd probably give us the win on this. But since we have to go up to the Meadowlands again, um, I'm going to give this one to the Jets. I uh, I agree. I, I And again, um, I, I just spoke with uh, one of my friends, uh, Jeremy Fishman, uh, last week about the Jets. He's a big Jets fan, and uh, he's very down on them, but I, he gave them the win over the uh, Commanders. Um, I, I just think they're, the, uh, they're going to beat the Commanders um, as well. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put the uh, Commanders at 6-9, and nine, and you're making them 8-7. and seven. Is, that, is my math right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. And uh, all right, so there you go. So we have two games left. Um, the day before New Year's, San Francisco – at home yeah so now the last two games of the season what happens um and we finish obviously with the with the cowboys um niners tough team yeah um you know was it brock prudy you know they're gonna go him as a starter at quarterback um instead of was it trey lance um always a solid defense we're at home we've played them tight before um uh what's what did i what do i have them at so far yeah they are eight and seven eight and seven i'm going to say loss all right so they're losing so 
They didn't have to travel far, obviously, from New York to Washington. You were making them yeah. eight and eight. I disagree. I think I don't even though, you know, I think Christian McCaffrey can run over any team, and I think they do have yeah. they have a, they have enough defense to hold uh most teams at bay. I'm not a fan of the quarterback situation. Brock Purdy was yeah. had that, that 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 moment of in you know the 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. I don't know uh, Purdy or Lance. They weren't ready to call in uh, um, um, Rivers. Who knows? So yeah. uh, I, I I gave the uh, Commanders the win because yeah, I, like I said, I'm I'm fifty fifty on this, you know. And the reason why is because I I think they'll beat the Cowboys. I'll just jump into the last game. Mm-hmm. Like I think they be they they win one of these two games, right? Um, you know, whether, you know, they've locked up a playoff or not like a wild card or something or whatever, but I do think they win one of these games. So I'm going to say loss to the Niners and win against the Cowboys at home because we hate mm-hmm. the Cowboys. Um, and so that would bring us at nine and eight, which is what I thought they would be when I looked at the schedule. Um, what do you think about the Cowboys? Well, again, as I mentioned earlier, it's hard to sweep and yeah. I had them losing in Dallas. I don't think Dallas can beat them in uh, in Washington. So I had them winning as well to uh, finish year eight and nine. I, I'm, I just think the, the, the defense is going to be ready. If their playoff potential, which with the record I have them, they're not going to be. With the record you have them, maybe. Um, but I think they will be able to defeat Dallas. Yeah. So so overall, yeah. So nine and eight. So I told you, they're going to be above ordinary. Ordinary is eight and eight. So they're nine and eight. They're above ordinary. They're going to get past eight know. wins. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of pickums on here, right? Could they beat the Dolphins? Like I said, no. Like maybe they can, right? Um, you know, so like like with any season, it can go either way. But the initial guess for me, nine and eight. I'm not saying you know could they be you know ten and seven? Maybe could they be seven and ten? Sure. Um, my hope is just to see growth. My hope is to really see that how will be our quarterback of the future. Like we see that there's something there with him. Um, and we can have something to build upon. So if we get to playoffs this year, fantastic. But to me, my grade will be just on growth. Well, if they go nine and eight, they they technically growing. And by growing by one point, because they they got a tie last year. So if they had one yeah. more point, then they would be nine and eight. So nine and eight is they're one point better than last year. That's what we're hoping for. Yes. Okay. All right. So not bad. Uh, again, a, an average team. Um, with uh, potential for growth, and uh, you never know what can happen. If the Giants can make the playoffs, if the Jets can get Aaron Rodgers, if the uh, if some guy with the smallest hands in in college football can be the starting quarterback of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, anything can happen. Yeah. So let's. So I got uh, moving on. We got show listeners and experts who have uh, sent stuff in and mentioned some some things that were very interesting and could or could not happen. So I'm going to throw these predictions at you, and you let me know if you think these could happen or not. Okay. All right, number one, Ryan Robinson and Antonio Gibson will combine to rush this year for 1,800 yards. Sure. All right, could happen. All right, I like it. Jacoby um, actually, let, let me rewind that, right? So rushing for 18. So – I think B Rob will have definitely over a thousand yards. He'll be like twelve. So yeah, because the the reason I, I hesitate going back is because I think Antonio Gibson's going to have a ton of yards catching the ball right, right. out of the backfield and not necessarily rushing. Um, but I think if it's eighteen, I think we're good there. All right, there you go. I, I like it as long as they uh, Brian Robinson stays away from the the guns. Yeah. Okay. Hey, it wasn't him. He needs to just drive in better neighborhoods. Exactly. We'll exactly. Which in, in Washington, it's not easy. Eh, right. We'll see. Yeah, okay. So number two, this was an, this was a fun one from a, a listener. Jacoby Brissett, not Sam Howell, will lead the team and at the end of the year will be a top 20 quarterback. Completely false. <laughs> both both uh, that, that Jacoby Brissett will lead the team and be a, t- a top 20? Correct. All right. I agree. I, um, now we'll see. The last few years, we've gone like three or four quarterbacks deep. <laughs> yeah. Crowd, uh, we had that one year we brought Mark Sanchez in, right, with the, the butt fumble guy, you know, and, and all Love that. Love the and, butt fumble. That's my yeah, favorite. So on the, on the Jets <laughs> podcast we did, that was my favorite all time Jets memory yeah. is the butt fumble. It just cracks yeah. me up every time I see it. I have it on a loop sometimes if I'm feeling sad. All right. Here's an, <laughs> here's an interesting one. Ready for this? 
Ron yep. Rivera will be fired by midseason, and the enemy will be named interim head coach for the remainder of the season. Oh, that is a good one. If we tank, here's the deal. I think Josh Harris and folks are evaluating everything that has to do with this team. Um, I don't think that they would fire him midseason. I think they would have big plans in the offseason, just let things go as they will. But if it does happen, I truly believe that the enemy will fill that uh, coach job. Um, and then going into then the next season, he will definitely get a fair shot at it. I don't think Jack Del Rio would assume that role, even Del Rio had been a coach before. I think they let the enemy do it. But I don't think I don't think Rivera will be fired. I, I agree. They they really have to tank, and I, I just don't think the defense yeah. is going to let it happen. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on to a, a different. Uh, you have one pick, fantasy league wise, from the Commanders. Who's your pick? Terry McLaurin. Right. Going for the offense. Because I already I have him. I'm in a keeper league, and so Terry's always on my team. So uh, I um, he always does well for me. Although it, you know, it actually. It should be terrible, mm-hmm. but I think Brian Robinson's going to have a really good year as well. I think he can find the end zone. Um, that the problem with Terry is you have to hope that his quarterback. So what sunk last year is that Carson Wentz never threw to him, and so he didn't start off strong. But I think Hal will throw to him and find him. Actually, Hal's I think first pass was like a McLaurin touchdown. So um, okay, yeah. I I but uh, why I have I have Robinson in my um, fantasy team. But if I had one pick, I'd pick the commander's defense. I, I think yeah, that, yeah, that's actually a good pick. Yeah, I actually have them in my keeper league too. Um, I uh, those are I think the only yeah commanders that I have on there. Um, yeah, it's I think I think the defense could have a good year, but it's but points will come down to scoring and then takeaways. Mm-hmm. And I think with Emmanuel Forbes now there, hopefully getting some interceptions and some sacks, you know, hopefully that turnover ratio goes up. I agree. I absolutely. I, I wound up with the the Steelers. Uh, with my only Steelers uh, is a defense, and the Niners defense. I I, I got stuck with those. So because I picked defense last, uh, that's what wound up happening. All right. So we've talked about a, a lot going on. A, a nine and eight season. You have a prediction. Um, we talked about a draft and everything. So now I, I want to know since you were a Jets fan in the past, but now have been living um, as a as a Commanders fan for. Well, I guess living as a Redskins fan, the living as a uh, Washington football team fan, the living as a Commanders fan. What's your favorite memory from this team? Um, they've all been horrible memories. Um, no. Nah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to take all the Super Bowl stuff. So when I got to Maryland, like, you know, we were in Super Bowl crazy. Like, we won three Super Bowls during that time. And um, so it was great to, you know, be around in, in the city and in that thing. But but to be honest, like, I'm just going to, like, you, you can't beat that. But I'm going to park those and talk about more over the last, maybe the dance. Like, let's celebrate one last time with Dan Snyder, like, over the last 20 years. Like, what's an actual positive thing? Sort of a little bit maybe different um, was, it, it's RG3, right? RG3, to me, was probably the most hyped time that we've had over the last 20 years and the one highlight that gets to me was the game against minnesota at the end very close game and rg3 does a quarterback sneak comes around the end and he runs for like a 60 or 70 yard touchdown and jumps into the stands right Mm -hmm. um like i remember watching that game live and i was i think i was running with him um in the house as a friend's house um, that to me was probably the coolest and, and biggest highlight um, of positivity that I remember seeing. Um, you know, the rest were just lowlights, you know, that that we've seen over the last 20 years. So I'm hoping, you know, this year it starts anew and we get a lot more highlights and we see them improving and some really cool Terry McLaurin catches and touchdowns. So we'll see. All right. So. Um, mine, so I don't have those personal attachments to any of the, uh, the recent ones. So I remember being 16 years old, watching the, uh, Super Bowl 22 in 87 and watching, um, uh, and I had this little poor man's, uh, color television, really a tiny little thing with the, uh, the, the bunny ears, um, uh, adjustments and being amazed by Doug Williams and his performance in, in that, in that Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And he, his, 
his four touchdowns in a single quarter. I just remember him running around and getting away from players and not even knowing who this guy was. And he just stood out as this amazing player. And I remember that so vividly uh, and more and more because again, it was, I'm in my room and um, I'm just watching it and I was just blown away. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, Doug Williams was fantastic. Like, there's obviously, you have that whole era, you know, of the Hogs and 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 Rip, um, Rippin and and all of them coming together. Like, you know, Rigo, John Regan, you know, he had um, that he had that 43 yard touchdown run in the Super Bowl, right? You know, you see him barreling through and and going through. You know, those were were great runs, you know, by him. Um, so that's why I said, you know, like there, there's all this Super Bowl and playoff stuff, which is amazing through their time, like whether it's Art Monk, Daryl Green, Sean Taylor, right? All these different things that they did. But for me, over the last 20 years, just to assess like that time frame, you know, RG3 has really been it. So. All right. Uh, Larry, uh, you know, you got them going um, nine and eight. I got commanders going eight and nine. FanDuel predicts them at most six and a half wins. So I don't want to put a uh, bet the over, bet the over. I, I don't want to put a negative to close out the show, um, but you know, did you convince me otherwise? Yes, I, I, I was selling low. I was selling even on the defense. I'm going back high with the uh, Commanders' defense. I do like them, um, but but we shall see now. Now it's a we shall I think, see. I, I think the offense. I think the offense will surprise some people, and I think paired with that defense, like could we win games and score twenty points? Sure. Right. I, I would love to have an offense where we score 30. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see maybe one day. But yeah, I, but you definitely go the over, I think, on six and a half. I think a lot of people <laughs> are sleeping on on them. So, yeah, I would I would take your retirement money. And we're, we're not big on right talking there. gambling. And if you do have a trouble with gambling <laughs> listeners, call one, you know, one eight hundred gambler, please. You know, you need that money. We all need that money. So um, so there you go. So, Larry, as always. I, I thank you again for coming on the show. I do hope the commanders give you some enjoyment because we know the Mets have not. Way to end on a high note, there, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like your Phillies. Has, like has, Trey, has Trey Turner working out? <laughs> hey, the, the guy, the guys, you know, got a couple hits recently. So, all right. Thank you all for listening to Talking with People, a QF production hosted by Adam Pallant. Make sure to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook so you will be alerted to future episodes. And hit the follow button where you find your podcasts. While you're at it, if you are enjoying the show, leave a review. Why not? Right, Larry? Yeah, do it. Show me some love. All right. Hey, if you want to get on the show or you want to chat with me, you can also reach me directly through Twitter, LoneDog71. Keep your eyes and ears out for the next few episodes. We have fun guests coming up, friends of mine, acquaintance of mine, people I meet on the subway. We'll preview the Browns, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, and more. Now we're going to close out with uh, music by Jason Licht. He is a freshman at the College of New Jersey. Take it away, Jay.